Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Curad, the official medical supplier of Ironman. Curad, where you've got the far infrared kinesiology tape, and this stuff really works. So make sure you use it before, during, after training, and you can pick it up at Walmart. You pick it up at Ironman.com and on Amazon. Well, Find Your Finish Line is not only about you being able to find your finish line at a race or an event, but in life, we have to find our finish line almost on a daily basis to keep moving forward. And I talk to people who have jumped over a lot of hurdles to keep those finish lines in sight. And I'm going to talk to a couple of people today that exemplify that exactly. So make sure that uh, you do check in and, and pick us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you'd like to do. That's where we're at. My guests today, Tad Weiss and Maggie Swanson from Minnesota, father, daughter. How are we doing, you guys? We're good. It, it snowed recently here, so that's, that's a little different than San Diego. <laughs> yeah, triathlon season's over for the year up here. Oh well, you know, there's always indoor stuff. Don't don't give me that. You can always go indoor. You know that. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Maggie did Ironman Wisconsin this past September. She actually won her age group in the 25 to 29. Uh, she went like 10:48. Qualified for Kona. Congratulations, Maggie. Qualified for the 2023 race. And Thank Dad. You. You, you're welcome. And dad's been doing triathlons, my goodness, since like 2001. And he did his first Ironman in Wisconsin in 2002. But this year, he finished fourth in his age group, 60 to 64. So welcome to both of you on the show. It was great that I had the opportunity to meet you at the Ironman Foundation function that we had in Madison. But I always like to ask my guests, I don't know if it's happened to you today, but did you guys get a workout in today? Um, I did. I, I biked this morning and I went for a run a little before the snow started, but definitely ran through some snow. Yeah. She's still, uh, she's still training at full speed and yeah, I got, I got to work in it, work out into Mike. So a little bit of, a little bit of cardio and a little bit of weights. Good. Good for you guys. Yeah. We, you got to keep it up. I mean, this season though, we, we get to, kind of back off and relax because of the long season of the summertime. So that's good. I'm glad you're still at it. Well, you two like to race together. And Tad, you brought your daughter into the fold long ago, uh, suggesting, and I think you ran the Twin Cities Marathon back in the day together. Uh, Maggie, how old were you when you ran that marathon together with your dad? I was 17. So I was a senior in high school and my dad suggested that we we run Twin Cities Marathon together before I went off to school uh, early on in my early on in my junior year I think and thought about it for a little bit and ultimately decided that that was what I wanted to do and that was my first endurance endurance race so what at 17 years old I mean I know a lot of 17 years old who if father or mother said, hey, come on, we're going to run a marathon, they'd look at them cross-eyed and said, that's not going to happen. 
But what do you think it was inside of you, Maggie, that you said, you know, at that young age, I, I think I want to do this? Well, I had my dad as a role model growing up. He he raised Ironman Wisconsin when I was six. I used to bike with him during his long runs. Mm-hmm. So I would bike, he would run. And I always I always had that desire to to follow in his footsteps. Then when he suggested it, I, I liked running. Um started running after I swam my freshman year of high school. And he suggested it as a good way to stay in shape and bond during my final year at home. And I thought about it and ultimately decided that, yeah, it would be a fun, a fun way to celebrate, celebrate my going away and a great way to see the Twin Cities and, and bond with my dad. And it was a great way to bond together over, over those months of training. That's beautiful. And, and Tad, you know, you ask your daughter to run a marathon. Not every father says, hey, how would you like to run 26.2 with me? And, and obviously, she's seen your training as an endurance athlete and everything. But did you have a little trepidation of, gosh, am I, am I pushing her too early? Uh, I, I don't want her to feel obligated because I asked her. Did those types of feelings go through your head when you, when you, when you suggested it? No, at the time, Mike, I just kind of threw it out there and let it dangle a little bit and let let her think about it and come to come to her own decision that she wanted to do it. And and I have to say that during during the training in the summer months, Twin Cities marathons in early October every year, uh, there were some long runs where she wasn't really happy with me and happy to be out there. But uh, but she stuck with it. And then come race day, uh, I, I remember it clearly. We're at mile twenty three, and she. And she turns to me and goes, I'm feeling good. Let's kick it in a little bit. And I'm like, no, we're going to stay right here at this pace. <laughs> <laughs> not because not because you wanted to protect your daughter. <laughs> Tad, you're probably thinking, okay, this is a good pace. Let's not kill ourselves Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, was, uh, that was the first time, Mike, where I was like, okay, I think she is starting to pass me by. <laughs> well, at least it was a slow process at the beginning. It didn't hit you upside the head, you know? <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, let's go down the road of, of Maggie, and, and you go overseas now. You go to uh, school uh, for a semester in Spain, and like you always do, you you know go out for a run. No matter That's the great thing about running. No matter where we are in the world, we can just go do it and go get it done. Uh, that was in June of 2014, but you're out for a run and it didn't end up the way you thought it was going to end up. Take us through that process of that bus running the red light while you were, uh, while you were out there. Yeah, certainly. So after my sophomore year of college, I went to a small liberal arts school in Minnesota and after my sophomore year, I was running cross country and, and track, and I didn't want to miss a season by going abroad for a semester. So I thought, well, I should go abroad during the summer. Hmm. So I went overseas after my sophomore year. It was originally a two-month program on my, but I was up training, for, excuse me, I was training for the upcoming cross country season. So I was going for a run every morning. And on my 10th day of being there and training, 
I was crossing a busy highway intersection near my homestay, and I was hit by a bus that ran a red light um, going, going 25 miles per hour. Uh, 37. 37 miles per hour. Um, and that bus flew me, um, launched me 25 meters in the air, and I landed on the pavement and had a shattered pelvis, a broken elbow, um, multiple broken ribs, and a traumatic brain injury in two places in my brain. Were you conscious or cognizant of what had happened to you? You know, I don't remember the the accident when it occurred. I remember a little bit from the day before, but I have total amnesia of the accident and the month following the accident. So they rushed so, me to the hospital and and I was treated there in the intensive care unit and then they called my parents. And this this whole time you're being treated, you're you're by yourself, aren't you, Maggie? Yes, I am. I was by myself for about 24 hours um, until my parents could get there. Um, they got a flight and hurried over as fast as they could. And that was really the first miracle we saw. Well, there were multiple miracles in the accident um, that the bus didn't <laughs> run me over, that... Mm -hmm that the injuries I sustained weren't as severe as they could have been. And then I didn't die. That was the biggest, the biggest miracle. But the flight over for, for my parents was, was a miracle as well. Um, a miracle they could get on the, get on the plane, um, that had been oversold for, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So we were able to get over, get on a flight right away and get over to Spain. Maggie was in Sevilla in the Southern Spain part of Spain mm -hmm. and took us about 28 hours to get by her side. So she made it through the night and, uh, which was our, our most fervent prayer. And, uh, and then, uh, just slowly started this process of recovery. That's been really going on for, uh, for years and years since. Well, Tad, let's, let's talk about that. I mean, I, as a parent, can't imagine receiving a phone call. You know, it's like the old dreaded thing of every parent, especially when the kids are away at college or gone or living in another city to get a phone call like that. And then those 28 hours for you and your wife must have been excruciating of trying to get there. What did you think when you, when you had that phone call for the first time? Yeah, it was eight o'clock in the morning on a on a Thursday. I was just starting a work day, and I was actually in a meeting when my assistant knocked on the door and told me there was a lady on the phone from Spain that needed to talk to me. So I immediately knew something was something was wrong, and she told me what she knew about the accident that Maggie had been hit by a bus, and that she was in the intensive care unit. So my wife and I dropped everything and started our journey over to Spain. And we got there the next morning, uh, about 10 o'clock in the morning, Spain time, uh, by the time that we, we made it to Maggie's side. Uh, you know, at first, you're just totally rocked by the news. You don't know um, what to expect. You don't know how bad the accident is. Um, the whole time you're praying that, you know, by the time that you get there, that it won't be as bad mm -hmm. as you fear. Uh, but... The, you know, the flight over, uh, we, we connected through Chicago and then had a flight from Chicago to Madrid. And that nine-hour flight was 
was uh, a very long nine hours. There just isn't anything that you can do uh, in that situation except uh, my wife Wendy and I just talked with each other and, and prayed with each other and, and hoped for the best. Um, once we got to Madrid, we connected on a flight to Sevilla and got to the ho hospital early the next morning in Spain. Uh, when we saw Maggie for the first time in the hospital, roughly at 10 o'clock that morning, our, our, our prayers that she would make it through the night were answered yes, uh, but she just didn't look in, uh, she just looked in horrible shape when we saw her. She wasn't recognizable, it didn't look like her. She was hooked up to every machine and monitor that you can imagine, and we knew that we were in for a long haul when we, when we saw her in that, in that situation. Yeah, it's almost like, I mean, I mean, the feeling you had, you know, on the, on the positive nature and your prayers, but you get there and go, gosh, I just want my daughter to live. You're not even thinking about recovery or how can we get to the next step and everything. That had to be a feeling that you had to try to push away to, you know, keep those positive thoughts and, and those positive prayers coming Maggie's way so that it could help her heal. Yeah, a absolutely, Mike. And and uh, the the whole journey and and um, and watching her heal was was also just an amazing process. Um, the first four days after the accident were critical for her survival, mm -hmm. uh, but we we were uh, we were confident early on that she was going to to make it. All of the signs were good, and so many people came alongside of us to help us. We're over in a country where we don't speak the language, we don't know any people uh, in Spain, and um, we can't talk to the doctors, uh, everything's wow. done through an interpreter, and you really get into a point very quickly where you realize, hey, there's nothing that I can bring to the table here. I'm depending on other people to care for my daughter and to help us, and the support that we received in Spain as well as from our friends back home and around the globe was amazing. And uh, right. we just uh, very early on were, were given a confidence and a calm that uh, uh, the, that God had saved her for a purpose and, and that she was going to be okay and, uh, and that we could really just be there to be by her side and be with the people that came around us. And uh, it just turned into an amazing experience of about three and a half weeks uh, was how long we were in Spain. Yeah, we'll talk about that. And Maggie, did you... When was the first time you realized that mom and dad were there by your bedside? Well, I know from what I've heard that I knew that they were there very early on and that that was very comforting to me. I don't have any memories of the first the first, of of my time in the hospital in Spain. Um to to be truthful, um I, my first memory is when, when we got home and 4th of July fireworks outside of my Minneapolis hospital. So that was wow. a month after the accident, yeah. but in, during that time in Spain that she doesn't have any memory of, she would, she would recognize our voices. She would uh, squeeze our hand when we, when we asked her to, she clearly knew who we were and she uh, and, and that braid brought her a lot of calm and comfort at the time. But as Maggie mentioned, uh, no, no memory of that, uh, of that time on her end. When, when you got home and Maggie was in the hospital there in, uh, Minnesota, Dad, did you start seeing some 
progression in her healing a little bit? Because a lot of people always say, you know, if something happens like that, but they get in the familiar confines or they know their home, they're around more family members that the healing process, uh, it really helps it. Did you see that happen when she got home? Um, we did, Mike, but uh, but I also would say that that her healing was was very uh, day by day, and there really weren't uh, any setbacks along the way from really from day one in Spain. It seemed like every day when we would visit with her, every visit she just looked a little bit better, and and progress was continuing. And that continued when she was uh, medi- medically evacuated back to the states. Um, and uh, flew home in an air ambulance and, and started the recovery process back in Minneapolis and that and her healing just continued. So yeah, I think being in being in familiar surroundings, uh, having friends and, and family that could come by and see her definitely helped. Uh, when she moved back into our house, that definitely helped. Um, but uh, her, her recovery was just uh, was fantastic. Um, after she was released and allowed to go home, uh, two months after the accident, we were talking with her orthopedic surgeon, and I and uh, you know Maggie's been confined for two months. She can't walk. She can't get up out of bed. Um, and you know she's an athlete. She's a runner. She just wants to go, and she doesn't understand what's going on. And uh, and I asked her orthopedic surgeon if we could start swimming. And um, at first, he didn't like the idea, like I was going to send her out in an open water swim of 2.4 miles and say, good luck. Uh, but I'm like, no, we're just going to go to the pool and just see if we can do some laps. And uh, and, and so he gave us the okay for that. And, and she was able to start swimming, uh, was able to start walking um, around that time uh, as well, and then uh, received clearance to run about four four months after the accident. So yeah, didn't, uh, we keep using I, the I, word amazing and miracle, but it, but it truly was. Yeah, and and uh, for the type of injuries that Maggie had, Maggie, for you to hear the surgeon only four months after the accident say that, uh, you know, he's never released anybody to go out and run with the type of injuries you had. Your resolve is something else, Maggie. Did you... Did you know you were going to be able to get down that path much quicker than others may have uh, suspected? I certainly hope that was the case. When you're going through something like this, it is, it's so easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day, just the work you need to put in and how far you have to go. Um, I was really hurt. I could not walk or run as like I did. And it just seemed like it was going to take a really long time to get back there. Um, So I was, but I was hopeful and I kept the faith, kept the trust um, and was patient and kept working hard and just trusting that things would get better. Well, then about uh, what, a year, year and a half later, dad suggests why don't we jump into an Olympic distance triathlon and, and do that together? Uh, did you feel, Tad, that was the same type of ask that you did with the Twin Cities Marathon uh, earlier? All of a sudden, well, you know what? She's swimming. She ran cross country. She's healing. And why don't we do this uh, Olympic distance try together? Was it the, yeah, was I, it the I, same I, type process? Yeah, uh, it's similar, but but a little bit, you know, a little bit different on on the marathon. I certainly knew she could do it, and and thought it would be a good challenge for her. But um, she was getting so much benefit from running, 
and from swimming and from being active in her overall healing. When you look at healing from, from an accident like this, there's obviously um, the, the physical healing. Um, there was the mental healing with, with the brain injuries. Um, and, and there's emotional healing. And I think that um, I, I think that being active and running and swimming was helping her in all of those areas. So we could really see that her confidence was building by being able to be active and, and to do these things. And she couldn't run nearly as fast as she could before the accident. And um, but we're like, hey, she knows how to swim. She she enjoys running. Uh, we need to get her a bike uh, and, and see how that goes. And and so we went out and did that. And uh, you know, it turns out, hey, she she's pretty good on the bike. So it just uh, more than anything, it was a way to continue to build her confidence as she was rebuilding her her life, if you will. And, um, and so we signed up to do, to do a race together, an Olympic distance event about 14 months after the accident. I broke out all my old triathlon gear from the closet and, and uh, uh, relearned to swim again. And, and, uh, and, we, and we trained together and did the race. And she had a, she had a fantastic race. Her, her uh, transition times were terrible. Um, we still joke about that. She was uh, kind of sitting around in the transition area, uh, tying her shoes and doing her hair and just uh, and things like that. But her time ended up being uh, being really good. And, and so we just kind of stumbled on to um, something that she that she happened to be good at. And, uh, and, and that was the start of Maggie's triathlon journey in 2015. Well, Maggie, why did you? Why did you feel that, that that race was the one that kind of pulled you out of what the past was all about? I just loved being able to find something that I enjoyed doing, a combination of three sports that I really loved. And it was, it, I enjoyed that I was good at it. Um, that was, that was fun. Um, so that was a, it was nice to be good at something that I hadn't tried before the accident and really succeed in that and feel that there, there was hope on the other side of this horrible thing that had happened to me. And I could, I could be good at something that I hadn't previously tried. And, and didn't you win your age group and, and qualify for the nationals at that race? Yeah, I did. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, so we were happy because I won my age group, and you know it was great. And yeah. I got a, I got a trophy, and I was like, "Well, this is this is really nice. Like maybe I'll do one next year." And then I got an email in January that said, "Congratulations, you qualified for nationals." And wow, I forwarded it to my dad and said, "Is this legit? Um, can I trust this?" And dad <laughs> looked into it and. It was legit, and yeah, I I raced nationals that year, that coming I, I, 2016. Yeah, I'd been I away from it. the sport probably for 10 or 12 years, and and uh, we got the email, and we're like, wow, I mean that's that's cool. And so I called some friends here in the triathlon community, and they're like, I'm like, should we do this? Should she go? Should she go and race at nationals? They're like, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, so that was where that was kind of where the light bulb. You know, I think the first triathlon it was just the accomplishment of finishing it and, and, um, uh, and having a fun day and, and, you know, whatever the distance is, whether it's a sprint triathlon, right, Olympic right. distance or a full Ironman, there's just such a great 
uh, feeling and rush of adrenaline when you finish that race and, and when you can stop <laughs> and then, uh, and then just the triathlon community and, and being around everyone that's, that's done the race too. And so it was just a, it was just a fun experience and we didn't really think of it more than that. And then, but then that email was like, huh, maybe we're, maybe we're onto something here. And, uh, so, so Maggie trained a little bit harder the next year and, uh, raced at nationals. Uh, I think took 13th at nationals that year in the 20 to 24 age group, which qualified her for worlds uh, the following year. So that was when we were like, oh, okay, this is something that she's pretty good at. And her body's starting to heal. She's getting faster. Um, she can do all three sports. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was just a big confidence boost when you, when you go through an accident, like she, she did a lot of things were stripped away from her life. Uh, right. A lot of things changed in her life. And uh, the sport of triathlon really, um, you know, really brought brought purpose to her days uh, and to her training and gave her things to look forward to. And um, we weren't, we didn't have grand expectations or anything like that. We just saw that this was really helping in her healing and helping her confidence. And, uh, and, and we were all supportive of that. Yeah. Yeah, Tad, Maggie, you realize, like thousands of athletes have told me, swim, bike, run, and triathlon helps them heal in so many different ways. Helps them heal to cope with things, helps them heal mentally, helps them heal physically that you went through, Maggie, and it does. But Maggie, I, I got to throw something at you. It's not too bad to have a swimming and cross-country background. I'm telling you right now, you know how many triathletes out there would love to have that swimming and cross-country background? So that's a that's a big plus for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. So you, yeah, and back you, you, to your... Oh, excuse me. No, go ahead. I was going to say, back to your point about um, the healing that can take place through triathlon, that was one thing that I just... I really loved about your book was just all the stories of the healing and the hope that hope that can be brought through triathlon. That was so inspiring. And I really appreciate how much other people have gone through and still pushing themselves to, to complete the Ironman distance. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and, uh, uh stories like that need to be told because, uh, we all need to heal in some way, shape, or form uh, during our lives, and we hope uh, the things we do and say, and I'll talk about Dad's book in a second. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Curad, the official medical supplier of Iron Man. Let Curad keep you strong so those strains and pains of training and you trying to find your finish line go away with their wraps, races, and tape, and especially their far-infrared kinesiology tape that'll keep you strong through all your training. Check out their products today on Amazon.com, at Walmart, and Ironman.com, and let Curad help you find your finish line. Uh, so you got married in what, 2019, but then in 2021, Maggie Swanson decides to do her very first Ironman. You signed up for Ironman Wisconsin uh, as an Ironman Foundation athlete as part of their team. I've got two questions for you, Maggie. Why'd you decide that, okay, 
I'm going to do my first Ironman. And why did you connect with the Ironman Foundation? Yeah, so the answer to your first question, why I decided to do an Ironman, it was always something that, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this from a lot of Ironman racers, um, always something that was in the back of my head ever since I'd seen my dad complete it and complete the first one. Um, just always something I really wanted to do. And <clears throat> late 2020, I thought about it. And I thought, I don't, I haven't raced for a few years, but I think this is my year to do an Ironman, um, to do an Ironman race. So I'm going to train really hard. I'm going to do my best to, to get ready for it. And I'm going to take the challenge. And I just felt ready to go. Why I decided you, to, yeah, oh, Ironman Foundation. Uh-huh. Yeah, so the Ironman Foundation that that was um that was an easy decision. I I looked at the Ironman Foundation, looked what they stood for, um the community that they supported, all the things that they supported, and I really loved that and I loved the idea of racing for not just yourself but for something bigger than yourself. You put so much time and energy into training and into racing, and so much of it is focused on on yourself and on on how your race is going to be. Right. Um, sometimes you, and it's helpful to look outside of you. I feel and see see other people and the good you can bring out of your racing. Yeah, because you had to realize now. People are seeing you race, you know, you do the Olympic distance race, you come in, you, you do Ironman Wisconsin, and Maggie, you, you have to realize you're an influence to others now. They're seeing your story, hearing your story, and then seeing what you're doing. Obviously, the actions speak louder than even the words, but that has to be very gratifying for you that you're passing on the inspiration, isn't it? That was another big part of why I wanted to why I wanted to race for the foundation. Um, just just like you said, um, to pass along the gratitude and just how how grateful I was for how much people had poured into me to help me heal and to be able to share that with others and give them hope that that the bad things that happen in life they don't define you. They you can move past them and they can become some of your greatest, some of the things that shape you the most and some of your greatest strengths. Yeah, and I, I see that in you. I, I just so see that in you. Uh, okay, Dad, so you see your daughter finish Ironman Wisconsin and then that old adage of, wow, this was a journey. This is a story that needs to be told. And people write for self-healing also, and people write to be able to let others know the journey is not always easy, but that finish line can always be there. And you wrote a great book, 25 Meters to God. If you're watching the video podcast right now, I've got it up in the air there, which you can get on Amazon. So what? 
tell me about the process of that, watching your daughter finish Wisconsin, and you said, you know what, I've got to chronicle this. I've, I've got to put this down. Yeah, I, I'd actually, um, back when the accident happened in 2014, I did some writing uh, at that time, just keeping really people informed of how Maggie was healing and just all of the miracles that we were seeing over in Spain and then back uh, back here in the States. And that kind of continued on for a few years. There's a, a website called Caring Bridge that I wrote on that people could log in to get various updates on on Maggie and uh, and how she was doing. And through that process, I just had a lot of people say, you got to write a book. And so it was in the back of my mind for a number of years. And I started writing the book about five years ago. I'm not a super fast writer, Mike. Uh, the weather would get nice out. I'd put it, I'd set it aside for a while. Um, so I was making progress, but, um, but, but hadn't brought the book to the finish line yet. So we go to Maggie's doing Ironman Wisconsin in 2021. We go to the race. Uh, my wife, Wendy always, always jokes. I'm not going to let you go to races anymore because whenever you go to these, you, you get these crazy ideas and you want to do them. And, <laughs> and, and I know Mike from your, you know, a big part of your book and a big part of your career is just been built around that finish line experience. And, and you just make that, um, you know, you just, uh, that's kind of the icing on the cake, the cherry on top for the Ironman experience is having you call, call, uh, an athlete's name across the finish line. So, so I'm there at the finish line and we're tracking Maggie and watching her, watching her come across. And she had a fantastic race. She finished 10th in the, in the women's division in 2021. And it was, it was just this phenomenal experience. You called her across the finish line. Uh, just a just a total success for her first Ironman. In the in the days and weeks that followed, that's where I started to started to get this idea percolating in my mind. It's like, hey, I really want to get this book done. Number one, um, number two, what if we were to train together and do the race together in 2022? And then Maggie had raced for Ironman Foundation in 2021. What if we also uh, race together for the Ironman Foundation and raise money uh, as we train for the race? So that was kind of the the big idea that uh, that popped into my mind. I asked my wife what she thought if if she thought I was crazy to tackle all this, and she said, "No, I th I think you I I'm I'm behind you on this. I think you should do it." And and, uh, and that's when we that's when we decided to put the plan into into action. So. I started working hard on the book to get the book done and uh, found a publisher for the book. We started training together uh, and, uh, and did some races leading up to the race. And then uh, we started raising money for the foundation. And I think just the power of Maggie's story and all of the people that had supported her over this eight-year process uh, allowed us to, uh, and just some very generous friends, allowed us to raise a nice amount of money for the foundation and three other charities that we wanted to support. So that yeah, was been know, our, that, that's been our year of 2022. Yeah, that was yeah, one heck of a year. And, and, uh, I'm going to say it because the, the motto, as you know, of Ironman foundation is the race for more, you know, you're doing something greater than yourself, but you guys raised $344,000. That is monumental. That is uh, my congratulations to you. And I know the Ironman Foundation, the same thing. They, 
uh, appreciate that beyond words. So, uh, that th- did you ever think you're going to raise that kind of money? Yeah, it was. Uh, first oh, you of all, did. Had, <laughs> you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I uh, no, I didn't think it would be that much, um, but I knew we could. I knew we could raise a, a significant amount, and uh, we we have some very generous friends. First of all, um, but secondarily. Uh, Maggie's story, you know, these were all the people that had supported her over this, over this eight year process. And, and the book I think helped a little bit too. So it was just kind of laying out the vision of the, uh, of the book and that we were training to do this race together and that we, we laid out a pretty, pretty strong challenge and, uh, uh, asked for some significant gifts. So my initial goal on the Ironman fundraising site was $250,000. So that's what I kind of thought was was what we could do. We we ran through that so fast, uh, and I got wow. a little carried away and raised the goal up even more beyond that. But uh, we we were thrilled with the three hundred forty four thousand. Yeah, nothing nothing wrong with getting carried away with a goal and objective like that, Tad. <laughs> nothing wrong with that at all. Maggie, here you raced Wisconsin in September this last September with your dad, but my goodness. You, you crushed it. You won your age group and you qualified for Kona. Through the process from accident to that, qualifying for Kona, uh, did you ever think that was going to happen? I know I did not think that. I didn't think that was in the cards. Um, when initially after my accident, I just wanted to get back to my my normal, quote unquote, normal life. And I just wanted to get back to running cross country and going to college. And I just wanted, I just wanted to heal. And the process of healing stripped a lot of things away. So I lost so much in the, I lost a lot in the accident, um, lost my athletic ability, lost my, lost, um, for a good part, my cognitive, um, my student, um, I was a pretty good student, so lost, lost some of that, just needed so much support, and I'm so grateful for my family and all my friends who came alongside me to provide that, but I just wanted to heal, and I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, and beautiful things came out of, came out of this accident, and some of and the big lesson that I've had from in all of this is that when you're in the middle of a hard circumstance like this, you think that there's no way out and you just you can't see the end and you're just struggling for the next day. But there is hope and there is hope and things will get better. So you just have to keep going and trust that they will. And the best things can come out of this. Some of the best things in my life are, are um, because came after the accident. Um, I met my husband after the accident. I don't know if that would have happened without the accident. Um, I'm closer to my family and my friends. Um, some great friends came into my life. We got a puppy. Um, and the sport of triathlon was a huge, a huge piece of that. And I don't know if the sport of triathlon would have come without the accident. Maggie, how much did you lean on your faith to heal? 
my faith is everything. You don't get thrown 25 meters through the air and survive it without, without God's protection and God's help. And I am so grateful that, that he saved me. And I'm grateful for all the work that he's done in my life ever since the accident happened and just how far he's brought me. And that's back to the good coming out of bad things. You don't think there's any way that that something good can come out of it, that God can bring something good out of it. But just have endurance, have faith, and trust and believe that it will get better. Well, Maggie, the entire experience is not something that, you know, we would ever want to see anybody go through, obviously. But when you do go through something like this, as traumatic as this, you learn you learn a little bit more about yourself. What did Maggie Swanson learn about herself that you really didn't know? Well, I learned how how fundamental my faith is to to my life and that it really is the cornerstone that I can that I can go to. Um I learned that that um even when things get hard, you can you can get through it um, with the support of, of friends and family. Um, the hardest things in life can be the most rewarding things. And that, that also applies to, to racing Ironman. I mean, that was, that was, that was the 2021 was the hardest race I had ever done. And but the reward was so great at the end, and I was so happy that I did it, and I, I persevered through that. Um, I learned that hard work does pay off, and it's patience and hard work, and the rewards will come. Yeah, the patience is a big part, that's for sure. And, uh, uh, Tad, you, you know, you knew... You and Wendy, your wife, know what your daughter was made of before the accident. I mean, you raised her, you showed her a lot of, by example, things that you did that she picked up on. But were you surprised at all? I mean, at her fortitude and her resolve to push through this. Did that any any bit of it surprise you? Or did you say, well, you know what, that's Maggie? Uh, yeah, I... I we're very, very surprised in, in many ways. Uh, I'd say the answer to your question is both. Um, yes, that, that is Maggie. That's uh, always throughout her life, whatever she's uh, put her mind to and put her hand to, she, she's done it with all her might, and, and that continued after the accident. But, uh, you know, I think the, I, I think the real um, unique part of her story is uh, you know, the accident, she was hit by a, by 22 tons of bus going 37 yeah. miles an hour. She flew 25 meters through the air. You know, a, a lot of your listeners are, are triathletes, Mike, and, you know, just go look at a swimming pool and look at 25 meters and, and imagine being launched through the air uh, that distance. And it's just, um, so for her to survive that accident, we can't come up with any answer other than God performing a miracle. Uh, but the injuries that she sustained were were severe, but she healed from those so quickly. And I think the the thing that's been surprising for us in the journey is just that 
each year has kind of revealed something new. Um, she, we stumbled into triathlon, and she had some good success with that. The next year, we went to nationals. The next year, she goes to worlds. Um, then she was injured, and she meets her husband, uh, and she gets married. And then we go through COVID, so there's no racing during COVID. Yeah. And, and then, and then she did the Ironman in 2021, and we did it together in 2022. So it's just been this, it's just been this journey and this process. And um, you know, frankly, we've been surprised at the results that she's been able to have, and they've just seemed to be getting better and better each year. And it's not like it's not like winning races is the end all uh, in all of this, but uh, it's fun and uh, and it's neat to see. So you know, she took tenth in in 2021, and then uh, this year she won the amateur division uh, at uh, at Ironman Wisconsin. So um, that's that's been the amazing part for me is just to see that progression, and um, and I just think it's a testament to her her. Uh, desire to to train and to uh, and to be consistent about doing that, and just her love of the sport, and uh, she's getting some some really uh, great results that are coming out of it. So, what uh, besides the World Championship in October of 2023? What's on the slate? Are you two racing together anywhere in the spring or summer of next year? You got any plans? Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'll jump in first, Mike. So I. I did my first Ironman in 2002. I did my I second one in 2022. So I need about 20 years to recover before I do before I do another one. <laughs> you know, Tad, that's you can't pull that by me. That's a poor excuse. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna. I'm excited to watch Maggie race in Kona, and and uh, um, she's gonna. You know, she's gonna put in the work this year and. And, uh, we got to do some, we got to figure out some, uh, hot weather training techniques here because <laughs> you don't get a lot of that up here in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, that, that is true. Well, one of the final questions I ask on find your finish line, it's called tri table racing. It comes out of the, I've got friends that race the Baja 1000 down in Mexico in their big trophy trucks and they've done it for years and they've won it afterwards. All the racers get together and sit around the table and they reminisce about the race. So I'm going to have you guys reminisce. Pick something from an event you did. It's called tri-table racing. We're sitting around the table and you're telling me about something that happened at an event, in an event, good or bad. Why don't we start with you, Maggie? What memory comes to your mind that you can reminisce with us about? Oh, I mean, we can go two directions with this. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so I have the, I have the, I have the bad experience, but my, I'll start with my good experience. My good experience was getting called across the finish line in 2021. Um, it was by you. Um, it was just the culmination of my healing. And I remember just thinking, I can't believe I did this. I, it was really hard and I did it and just thank you to everyone who, who had supported me along the way. And then I, then I crossed the finish line and I collapsed and started crying and my parents picked me up and brought me to the foundation tent. 
Nothing wrong um, with that. Yeah, certainly. No. So that was definitely my, that was definitely the highlight of my experience. Mm-hmm. And I'll, Tad, I'm going to go with the same, yeah, with go ahead. the same race, uh, but in, but in 2022. So Mike, you remember Madison this year, the weather was just awful. Um, so it was oh my God. Uh, mid, my, mid my clothes, 50s. Tad, it my, rained. My, yeah, my clothes in the garage just dried out. That's how. That's how it. Just, <laughs> my gosh! It so was, just brutal, brutal race conditions, and and fifty five degrees. It rained three inches during the day. The wind was blowing all day long. It was just, um, it, it was uh, just just a brutal day. But uh, you know, in the same, in the same, it affected everybody. Everybody's times were slower. I, I think, except for Maggie's. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, so it, it was just a, it was just a long day and, and my watch stopped working and I'm, I'm coming up on the halfway point of the, of the marathon and I ran into our support crew, uh, and they told me that Maggie had won the race. Um, so, uh, so halfway through the marathon, I get the news that, that she's won and, uh, and that she qualified for Kona. And so I'm just, I'm just off the charts happy happy hearing that news and um but the bad news is i gotta go run another 13.1 miles <laughs> after hearing that when i just wanted to go in and take a hot shower and, and have a beer and uh um so so i go off to to work my way through the last half of the marathon and one of the unique things at ironman wisconsin is that the run course takes you through the football stadium right um so camp randall stadium where uh, the Wisconsin Badgers play uh, beautiful stadium, and you get to run through the stadium uh, in two laps while, while you're doing the race. And and while I was doing that, um, you, you know, our story is 25 meters to God. Well, football fields in yards, but I, I quick did the math and and said, okay, 25 meters, that's about 28 yards. And, and I just stopped for a minute on the 28 yard line looked at the end zone, looked at that distance and just, and just said, you know, thank you, God, that, uh, that, that you, uh, protected her and saved her. And, and here we are today. And she, and she's won this race. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a beautiful moment. That, that is beautiful, Tad. I, I just, you know, it's so many times in our lives, we, we put markers down and, and I can just see you stopping at that 28 yard line and going, okay, this is my marker and this is where I've got to reflect. And people, people tell me stories of doing that all the time. And we need to do that because we, it then gives us a self-realization that we're alive. Our friends are alive. Our family's alive. We're here doing what we're doing and we're, we're blessed by it. So I understand that, that completely. Last question. What message, Maggie, would you give to age groupers out there? Give us a message you would pass along to all of the age group athletes, wannabes, first timers, you know, people thinking about getting into the sport. Give us uh, your message to them. I'd say that you can do anything you put your mind to. Um, it takes patience and trust and, and hard work. And if you're willing to put in the hard work and, and trust the process, then you will, see, you will see good things come out of it. And it can be personal good things. It can be race results. It doesn't have to be 
race results, but it can, so much good can come out of just focusing and, and dedicating yourself to that hard work. Well, your hard work has definitely paid off and, and, uh, I believe it's still paying off and it'll pay off for the rest of your life. Yes. When things come along and are, are really negative in our lives, when we pull the positives out of it, like you have Maggie, we see what you have attained. And, and Tad, I, from a father's point of view, uh, you have to be so doggone proud and, and, uh, something that you never wanted to see happen, but it's almost like you have a new daughter, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And one thing that we talk about a lot is, is, you know, as bad as the accident was and as much, um, uh, time and, and struggle went through the recovery, uh, at this point, we, we wouldn't change a thing. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to go back. We've just, um, learned so much and seen so much and been supported by so many people. And, and so many people have realized positive things, whether, uh, from Maggie's accident, whether it was getting into their fitness or growing in their faith or, or just, we, we hear these stories all the time. So that just makes it all, all worth it for us. And, uh, um, we're just, uh, we're, we're certainly thankful to be on this, this side of things, but, uh, uh, it's been a, it's been a great journey and, uh, and it's not done yet. No, it is not done yet. Tad and Maggie, thank you very much for your time and sharing your story with us. And hopefully people have been inspired by it. 25 meters of God, Tad's book, make sure you pick that up and, uh, find out what the journey was really all about. And I can't wait, Maggie, to see what you do in the future. I'll be following you. And it was my pure honor to bring you both across that finish line this past September in Madison. So the best of luck to both of you going down the road. Give a hug to your family. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do in the future. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. And and congratulations to you on your retirement, yes. Mike. And uh, uh, you, you've you uh, uh, just created... Uh, hundreds of thousands of, uh, uh, of memories that just, uh, uh, nothing compares to it. So on, on behalf of the triathlon community, we want to thank you. Well, I thank you very much for that. I, I appreciate it. And thank you to everyone for checking in again with find your finish line, the podcast that talks to people who've jumped over a lot of hurdles to get they where they are today. And they keep jumping them to be able to find your finish line. Remember so many times in our life, we have to be thankful for the ones in our lives because we cannot do it by ourselves. As selfish as a sport is, an endurance sport of going out there and working out on your own, setting your goals, the whole deal, we've got to have that support system. So make sure you thank them. And thank you again to Curad Performance Series, the official medical supplier of Ironman, where you can find their far infrared kinesiology tape at Walmart, at Ironman.com, and on Amazon. Take care, everybody. And as always, my warmest aloha.